Well, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody here today. We're working our way through Matthew, and we're in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. And we're going to be reading verses 17 through 35. And the title of the message today is The Last Meal with Friends. The Last Meal with Friends. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Well, will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did just as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, One of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? And he answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating... Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. Maybe many of you know that I'm kind of a big Andy Griffith show fan. The old Andy Griffith, Don Knotts, and... Ronnie Howard and all of those people. Now, in one of those uh, shows, Barney has somehow arranged, uh, he's, he's now a detective in Raleigh. And somehow he has arranged, uh, he's convinced his captain uh, that there's a big, uh, a big diplomatic meeting, a big uh, treaty Meeting that they're gonna they're gonna have, and he's convinced them to go to Mayberry to hold it in Mayberry. And so Barney, as all of you, if you watch the show, he always gets ahead of himself, and he promises this one uh, man's mansion that they could use the mansion. But when he gets to Mayberry to make all the arrangements, the guy says, "You're not using my house," and kicks him off their off the land. Well, the well the diplomatic people are already coming. Uh, for this negotiation. 
And so Barney convinces Andy to hold this meeting in his home. And Andy, you know, just a sheriff, small town, not a lot of room, but uh, that's where they're holding the meeting. So all these uh, elite people, Russian diplomats and American diplomats, arrive at Andy's home, and Aunt B's the host. And basically, as you know, it all begins to become, it all goes to a disaster, uh, you know, at the beginning. Uh, and, uh, you know, Barney's all upset and wondering what's happening. And, uh, and so he leaves for the night and all the ambassadors and everybody's there. And in the middle of the night, the, the Russian ambassador becomes hungry. So he gets up in the mile of the night and he goes to the, the refrigerator and he starts looking through. And Aunt B hears him, and she gets up, and she goes in there, and she realizes, and she says, oh, you poor man, you must be hungry, sit down. And so she begins to pull out, you know, the chicken and everything that people didn't eat before. And then the American ambassador's a little hungry, too, so he comes down, and they start to eat, and, uh, and you know, they're, they're, they're eating together, and they're laughing together, and they say, why don't we just do some negotiations while we're sitting around the table? And so... So in the middle of the night, they do these negotiations. The next morning, when Barney gets there to check on things, everybody's leaving. And Barney thinks this has been a total disaster. But what has happened was over the mill in the middle of the night, around the average person's table, they have come to an agreement on the things they're negotiating. There's something about eating around a table. There's something about about sharing meals with other people that allows us to get to know people in an intimate way. I think that's one of the truly great ways we get to know people when we eat with them, when we sit down and we share meals with them. We invite people into our lives and they invite, uh, and they invite us into their lives. Uh, one of the most meaningful Thanksgivings that we had as a family was when Nathan invited a couple of students from Iran who were uh, going to the University of Minnesota to our home in Rochester, and uh, and uh, they shared Thanksgiving uh, dinner with us, and that was such a meaningful time. Even this year, you know, as we uh, we went we celebrated Christmas, uh, Nathan's uh, neighbors uh, are from India, and he invited them over to share Christmas uh, dinner with us. And there's something about sharing meals with people where you get to know them and you invite them into your life and you learn so much more about them as you spend time eating with them, maybe more than any other time. Now, Jesus was getting ready to be crucified and he was coming to the end of his earthly ministry. And one of the things that he wanted to do, he wanted to share a Passover meal with his followers. Now, the Passover was not an ordinary meal, of course. It was a commemoration of God's deliverance of Israel from Egyptian slavery. As the death angel passed over the, the homes of the Israelites because they'd been marked by the blood of the lamb on the outside of their homes, as, as the death angel passed over those homes that were marked with the blood, uh, the Israelites were in those homes and they were... They were uh, eating the first Passover meal together. And since that time, um, 4,000 years ago, basically, uh, Jewish people have met to observe the Passover 
and remembered God's deliverance uh, from Egyptian slavery uh, on that night. Uh, now, Jesus wanted to share this meal with his closest followers, with his apostles. And, and, and he tells us, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And he says, I tell you, uh, I will not eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. You see, this Passover, the followers of Jesus, would be a Passover celebration, but it would be different than any other Passover celebration they had ever been a part of. They had ever been a part of. Um, this Passover celebration will no longer point to the lamb slain in Egypt and the death angel passing over the Israelites. This Passover would inaugurate a meal that pointed Jesus to himself as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This Passover that would become the Lord's Supper would remind believers every time we take it of two things. First of all, it reminds us of the price that Jesus, the very Lamb of God, was paying for our forgiveness uh, on the cross the next day. It would remind us that He Jesus paid it all, that he shed his blood so that our sins could be forgiven. Every time we take the Lord's Supper, we remember that. (coughs) And it also would remind us that this Lamb of God who died in our place would rise from the grave, ascend to heaven, and will one day come back uh, to, to be with his people forever, and they would be with him forever. The Lord's Supper reminds us of this timeless truth. Jesus' body and blood were given to provide forgiveness of our sins so that we can forever be with Jesus. The Lord's Supper reminds us uh, that Jesus' body and blood were given to provide forgiveness for our sins so that we can be with Jesus forever. This last meal, this Passover, was a meal Jesus wanted to share with his closest followers. And we see principles about that meal that apply to us even today. First of all, we see this principle, that Jesus invites all those who believe to this memorial meal. It was time to prepare the supper, the Passover meal. And the disciples of Jesus said, Lord, where do you want us to go to prepare it? You know, it, was, it wasn't a simple thing. It, it, it wasn't fast food. They had to get the, get, find the room. They had to arrange it. They had to provide. Uh, there were many different courses in a Passover meal. They had to set it up. And everything had to be prepared. And so Jesus told them, go to town. You'll find a certain man. Luke and Mark tell us in their Gospels that he would be carrying a water bottle on his head. Which would be very unusual because usually women were the one who carried the water bottles. But this would be a man... And you'll find this man carrying a water bottle on his head. And when you find this man, you were to say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. That's what they were to tell this man. Now possibly Jesus had arranged this with a friend. Many people believe that it may have been the home of of John Mark, who was maybe a teenager at the time in his home that... Jesus uh, had this, uh, would, they would have a room where Jesus would have the Passover. Maybe Jesus had arranged this. But notice what Jesus says to this man when, he, when the disciples meet him, what they were to tell him. They were telling him, my time is at hand. My time is at hand. 
Now, the word for time here is the Greek word kairos. Kairos. And, uh, and that, that is a specific kind of meaning about time. It means a specified time, a moment in time, uh, a perfect time, an arranged time, an opportune time. Uh, it's, it's, it's at this, it's, it's at like this is the moment that, that history has been waiting for. This very moment. It's, it's like a man who would make elaborate preparations to propose to his fiance. And he would, he would arrange it so that he's getting on his knee and asking her to marry him just as a beautiful sunset was happening, you know, in the distance. You know, it's, it's, that's the idea of the Kairos moment. The moment in time, the opportune time, God's perfect timing, uh, God's arranged time. This was God's very moment to provide the just payment so that our sins could be forgiven. Jesus says, my time is at hand. And Jesus told them to tell this man that he'd eat the Passover at this man's house with his disciples. Well, the disciples did just as Jesus had told them. And, and they went and they prepared the meal in this man's home. Uh, they prepared uh, the Passover meal where Jesus could celebrate it with his uh, disciples. When Jesus got there this evening, we talked about it last week, he told them one of them would betray him. And each of them questioned whether it might be, might be them. And when Judas questioned, even though he knew he was the one who was going to betray Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, he questioned him. Jesus let Judas know that he already knew what was going on. Uh, it didn't stop Judas from his evil act, but Jesus let Judas know that he knew what was going on. And then Jesus begins to celebrate the Passover um, with his followers. Now, during the Passover meal, we had uh, a few years ago, we had the Jews for Jesus and came in and talked to us about the Passover. And, um, and during the Passover, there would be four times that the observers of the Passover would drink from uh, cups of wine. The Passover was a very elaborate and very structured ritual, which would not be deviated from. It would not be deviated from. But during this Passover, Jesus would do something that would shock his disciples because he would deviate from the normal Passover meal. He would do something that had never been done before. It says Jesus took the bread and uh, gave it to them and said something entirely new. Jesus said to them, take, eat, this is my body. Luke also tells us that Jesus said, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. This was not the script. This was not the plan. The disciples had to be thinking, what are you doing, Lord? What is this all about? Jesus said, this is my body. As they took this unleavened bread, Jesus said it symbolized his body given for them. They were to take it into themselves. They were to take this symbol of Jesus' body into themselves. And that, that's a picture of the Christian life. You see, we are to take Jesus into our lives. We are to feed on him and feast on him. You see, we're not saved by doing anything that comes from us, 
But we are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus and all he has done, uh, all, uh, anything we have done for Jesus, I'd say that wrong. We're not saved by anything that comes from us, but we're saved by what Jesus has done for us. It's what he has done and we receive that. And when we receive that, we receive him. We receive him into our lives. Uh, we believe in him and he enters our lives. You see, we don't just believe in a le- belief. We, don't, we just don't understand that belief is an intellectual thing. When you become a believer, you receive Jesus into your life in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes to live in you. Now, I can't explain that. I don't, I don't understand how that happens. All that I know is that's what the Bible says happens. We are in Christ and he is in us. He comes to live in us. John 1.12 says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, became the right to become children of God. So, so we receive Jesus. And we take him into our lives. Jesus then shocked them a second time by taking the third cup, which would be the cup of thankfulness, the cup of redemption. And it, when he gave it to them, he would say, Drink of it, all of you. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said, this is the blood that's going to be shed, my blood, the blood of the new covenant. This is a new covenant, a new contract. And this new covenant, this new contract, will provide for the forgiveness of sin through my blood. Now, whenever in the Old Testament a new covenant was inaugurated, they would take an animal. And, uh, and, and the parties would, would, uh, they would, they would kill this animal, they would cut it into two pieces, and parties would walk in between the pieces of those animals. If you read about Abraham's uh, vision, I think it's in, uh, Genesis 15, how Abraham, uh, cut these sacrifices, and then in the middle of the night, he saw a vision of, uh, of, of the, of a flame going kind of through him. And that was God passing through, God making his, covenant with Abraham. And so the covenant, whenever any new covenant was inaugurated, there was the shedding of blood. There was the shedding of blood. And Jesus says, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, that provides for the forgiveness of sin. That provides for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus' blood was going to be shed for the forgiveness of sin. Now, the shedding of Jesus' blood on the cross was not just an example. Uh, The shedding of Jesus' blood uh, was not just some martyr's death. The shedding of Jesus' blood did something. It did something. It provided for the remission of sins. Sins can be forgiven because Jesus shed his blood. Jesus' blood is poured out for many for all who will believe, so their sins could be forgiven. This was not an animal's blood put on the doorposts of our homes, so the death angel would, would pass over them. This was the blood of the very Son of God, shed so that your sins and my sins would be paid for, and we could be justly forgiven because he was taking the punishment that we deserved upon himself. Jesus shed his blood... And died in our place so we could be justly forgiven. So the taking of this supper would forever remind us of the price paid for our salvation. That broken body. That shed blood. So that we could be justly forgiven. But the supper on that night would also point to the future. 
Jesus did not drink the fourth cup, the cup of consummation. In verse 29, look what he says. I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This last Passover cup, the cup of consummation, Jesus hasn't drunk it yet. Hasn't drunk it yet. The kingdom of God has not been consummated. Now, it's, com- it's among us. It's not complete. Jesus, when he comes back, is going to bring it to completion. And, and it's, it's going to bring him to, to perfect completion. You know, Paul tells us in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. When? Until he comes. Until he comes. That's when the, that's when the kingdom will be consummated. That's when it will be complete. Uh, when Jesus comes again. Jesus is coming again, and he's going to right every wrong and do away completely with evil. And on that day, we won't have to remember his death. We won't have to do what we're going to do in a few minutes here. Because forever we will see the scars in his hands and feet. And they will remind us of the price that was paid for our salvation. We'll forever be in the presence of the one who shed his blood and died for us. So that we can be forgiven and be with Him forever. You see, Jesus invites all who believe to remember what He's done to save us and to remember that He's coming again one day. But I want you to notice something else. Jesus invites all who fail Him to this memorial meal. Now after singing a hymn, and that's probably Psalm 115 to 118. It's called the Hallel. Uh, they, they would sing this. The, the leader would sing. And, the, and, the, uh, and, and then the people uh, who, who were in the group would follow the leader. Uh, kind of sing song. Uh, and they would sing. After they sang a hymn, they went to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus told them, he said, all of them would fall away because of him. Jesus said, it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus told these apostles, these men who were closer to him than any other men living, uh, you will fall away because of what is happening to me tonight. You will fall away. You see, their wrong understanding was going to catch up with them. Because Jesus is going to be arrested, tried, beaten, and crucified... And they would not comprehend what was happening. They would not understand. They, could, they would not be able on that night to grasp it. And Jesus says, you will fall away. None of them were left out. Every single one of them uh, was going to fall away. But Jesus gives them a promise. He said after he was raised up, they would go before him to Galilee. That's what his promise was to them on that night. Now Peter heard this, and all the other apostles heard this. And then Peter said, in typical Peter fashion, even if the rest fall away, I will never fall away. The rest of these guys might run, but not me, Lord. I'm not going to fall away. I'll never fall away. 
You know, it didn't matter that Jesus was contradicting Jesus at this time. It didn't matter that Jesus, uh, that Peter was saying that Scripture was wrong at this time. Peter thought, I'm strong. I'm not a coward. I'm not going to fall away. I won't do it. Notice the I in there. I will never fall away. Even if I must die for you, I will not deny you. Peter was basing it all on himself, his own strength, his own willpower, his own abilities. But he was wrong, wasn't he? Jesus emphatically told Peter, Truly I tell you, this very night you will deny me three times. Truly I tell you. You recognize that? When Jesus is trying to make a point, He would say truly. Truly I tell you. In John, John doubles it. Truly, truly I say unto you. And and it's a way of Jesus saying, this is the absolute truth. You will deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, the cock crows tonight. He says, Peter, a fall is coming for you. I know it's on the way. I know you will fail me. Jesus knew it. In fact, in Luke, Jesus tells Peter this. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. That's what was going to happen to Peter on that night. Satan was going to sift him like wheat. Look what Jesus says though. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail you. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus said, Peter, you're going to fall. You're going to fail. But I'm praying for you, Peter. Strengthen the brothers. When you turn back, when you realize what you've done. You see, even though Jesus knew that Peter was going to fail him, before he failed, Jesus still invited him and the other apostles to the meal. Jesus knew Peter was going to fail, and he prayed for Peter. And Peter was not the only one that failed. They all failed Jesus. They all failed fell away that evening. Now Judas fell away. He betrayed Jesus, but he never believed in Jesus in the first place. So he he fell away to perdition. But the rest of these men who had followed the Lord, and even though they didn't follow Him perfectly, and even though they didn't understand what was happening here, they they did believe in Him. Um, They would fail Jesus also. And Jesus knew that all of them were going to fail. He knew that all of them were going to fail. But you know, He promises restoration, doesn't He? Aren't you glad that the Lord promises restoration even though He knows that we're, even as we believe, we're going to fail Him? Jesus knows you and I that, that we'll become weak and arrogant and proud and we'll think we're strong when we're really weak. We think we'll be able to handle things when we can't handle things. 
We will think we do not need the Holy Spirit's presence and power in some areas of our life. We will think that we will never fall, even though others may fail. We will never fall. We'll never fall, you know, we'll never fall into this sin or that sin. That'll never happen to me. I will never do that. And Jesus knows that we'll do that. You know what? Jesus prays for us also. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Hebrews 7, 25. He is able, Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because Jesus always lives to intercede for them. You hear that? Jesus is praying for you if you're His follower. Even now, what's he doing between the first con- uh, the, his ascension and when he comes again? He's interceding for us. And that's why he is able to save completely. That's why our confidence is in him and not in us. Because Jesus is praying for us. And even though he knew we were going to fail, and he knows today, you and I are going to fail him. From time to time. Sometimes you in big ways. Sometimes in small ways. We're going to fail him. He still says. Come to my table. Take part. In the meal that I offer you. You see Jesus invites you. He invites you to the meal. He invites you to this meal this morning. He invites you to his supper. If you, even in this moment, will believe Jesus died so your sins could be forgiven, you're invited to this table. If you will believe His body was broken and His blood was shed for you, you are invited to His table. Will you believe? Jesus died in your place, in my place, so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus paid it for us. He rose from the grave because His sacrifice was acceptable. And He lives now and He intercedes for us even now. Will you believe? Will you come to His table? You know, even as His children, we're going to fail Him. I wish I'd never fail the Lord again. I wish it would never happen. But I know it's going to. Because sometimes I don't depend upon Him. Sometimes I think I'm strong when I'm weak. He knows we're still going to fail Him when we go, when we live our lives. He knows that we are but dust, the Scripture says. But He still bids us who will believe to come to His table. Jesus is praying for us. Jesus is praying for us. He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Will you, weak and failing believer, come to His table this morning? Jesus' body and blood were given to provide forgiveness for our sins so that we can be with Jesus forever. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. 
This is not our typical Sunday to celebrate the Lord's Supper, but we're going to celebrate it this morning. And instead of our, our men passing it out, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask uh, our uh, deacons to come forward. Uh, and, uh, and, and they're going to, they're going to have uh, the juice. And then I'm going to be in the middle and I'm going to have the bread. And I'm going to ask you, if you will come to the Lord's table, if you will, as, as coming to the Lord's table, you're coming to the Lord. As just a, a symbol of your faith, to step out, to come, to take, take a, bre- a piece of bread, to take a, a cup of juice, to go back to where you're sitting, and, and, and we will all take the supper together. But I'm going to ask you to come forward to get it, to go back to where you're sitting. Let's do that together.